Welcome back, Telesales Beasts. On this episode, I got Scott Aaron, who's a best-selling author, speaker, business coach, and consultant who takes the risk, a true entrepreneur at heart. Join Scott Aaron as he delves into how he went from over $1 million and then $1 million in debt, capitalizing on his failures and turning them into successes. Love this story that Scott Aaron shares with us, and I know you will too. And be sure to pick up your Compassion Before Commission merchandise, Compassion Before Commission, Com. All right, let's get dialed in. You're dialing in to the All Things Telesales Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lynn. If the phone is your weapon, this is your podcast. We're changing the perception of telesales. We're a tribe of telesales professionals who believe in compassion before commission. We're empowering the call coaching experience by starting with the person and salesperson. When we take care of the person, the calls take care of themselves. All right, Scott, Aaron, what's going on, man? How are we feeling today? Jake, blessed. You know, I, I woke up today, so uh, I always tell people, as long as you can wake up and see the ceiling above you, it can't be a bad day. That's right. That's it, man. So, uh, yeah, yesterday we we hopped, uh, hopped on your podcast and we're doing a pod swap. Man, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. I'm so glad we connected on LinkedIn and definitely forming a, a relationship here. And tell, tell the people a little bit about you, man. Well, I mean, who I am now is, is not who I was. So now I am uh, an author, speaker, business coach, and consultant, uh, teaching human connection uh, to audiences, to workshops, masterminds. Uh, I do one-on-one coaching, teaching people how to build their brand, business, and income using a strategy and a system that I've been able to uh, trademark and, and have a patent on using LinkedIn. But my, my background, uh, how I got into that was a, you know, an interesting story. I, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. So I always tell people that I've been psychologically unemployable since day one. <laughs> so I've, I've never had a boss. I've always worked for myself. I had little odd jobs uh, in high school and stuff, but never uh, nothing that I would consider a career. It was just side money. And my, my life kind of took a, an interesting turn. I come from a long line of entrepreneurs. Uh, my father, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather all had their own brick and mortars. My great-grandfather came over in the early 1900s and was a butcher in South Philadelphia. My grandfather was a pharmacist for 55 years and at one point did have his own pharmacy. My father did follow suit and had his own pharmacy called Scott's Pharmacy after I was born uh, in the late 70s. and and then my father had some, you know, multiple industrial type businesses. And when he broke partnership with his uh, one company in the uh, mid to late 1990s, he started working for a physical rehabilitation company. And this is kind of where life took an interesting turn. And my father got involved in, in some poor business dealings. It ended up being a insurance fraud case that landed him in federal prison for two and a half years. Mm. And, you know, dealing with my, my father's incarceration at a very young age really affected me in both positive and negative ways. Obviously, missing my father dearly, and I only got to see him, you know, obviously on weekends when we would go visit with my sister. But, you know, positively, it forced me into this this growth aspect of my life that 
uh, I could have never learned in college. And I, I did graduate uh, with a bachelor's in HR from Temple University. So I was still going to college full time while running the family business, which at that time was a health club in downtown Philadelphia. When my father realized that he was going to be going away, he obviously, that the company that he was working for where all of this took place, he left. And with the help of my two grandfathers, opened up and, and took over a failing health club in downtown Philadelphia, which the keys were then turned over to me when my father did go into prison. So at 18 and a half, I became the president and CEO of our family's business. Wow. And I, I really did not have a fitness background. I was an athlete my entire life, still am. But I never knew anything about running a business and how to manage people and how to manage myself. But I was thrusted into this, not only this adult role, but into this leadership role. Mm. And sometimes the best way to learn how to be a leader is to grow through it while you're going through it. And I fell in love with health and wellness. Uh, within the first two years, I got my certification in sports nutrition, personal training and group fitness, and grew a very, very solid and successful personal training uh, book of business along with growing the gym. And by the time my father came back home two and a half years later, uh, the gym had gone from about 300 members to nearly 1,100 in that two and a half year time period. Wow. Yeah. So I, I knew how to obviously grow a business and unknowing, unbeknownst to me, it, it was a skill that I had. And when my father came home, one gym turned into two gyms. And we were then approached in 2003 by uh, another family to actually purchase both gyms for a million dollars. And we took the deal. Mm -hmm. So at 24 years old, I, I became a millionaire, still continued to personal train as did my father. And about a year later, end of 2004, going into 2005, my father had the itch and the urge to open up another gym, which <laughs> we did. But because of everything that had happened prior, the gym had to be financed in my name. Yeah, it was it had to be completely financed by me. I was the person that was going to be liable. So not really understanding that at 24, almost 25 years old, I found myself in $1.5 million of liability debt three years into opening this new gym. So over a four year time period, I went from becoming a millionaire to then becoming over a million dollars in debt. But I always tell people that, you know, there's, there's times in your life where you're dealt hands and sometimes those hands look great. Sometimes those hands look pretty shitty, mm -hmm. but you have to play them no matter what, because there's a lesson behind all of it. And as we started to continue to grow the, the third and final gym, uh, I started to come out of that debt and I actually went through some personal challenges and between 2006 and 2014, over those eight years, I was married and divorced twice. And the second marriage did leave me with one of the greatest gifts that's ever been given to me, which is my now seven and a half year old, beautiful son, Taylor. Mm -hmm. And becoming a father completely changed the game for me because I realized that it was not just about me anymore. It was mm -hmm. not about my schedule and my well-being. It was about him. Yep. And in 2013, uh, you know, 
towards the end of my second marriage, I made another veer off into entrepreneurship. And this veer off was into network marketing. And I, I was not blind to it. I did not believe that it was a pyramid or a Ponzi. Right. I believed in multiple streams of income. And, and yeah. a friend of mine asked me, and he said to me, if you got sick or injured where you could not train people anymore, you were physically unable, you fell ill, what would you then do for money? And that question, it really scared me because I, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have a plan B. So I said yes to an opportunity in a global wellness company in 2013 that was riding alongside of my personal training practice in my gym. And within two and a half years, I was able to match the income that I was making as a personal trainer. Uh, with this network marketing opportunity, and the light bulb was turned on. It, it was a, it was a personal development journey with a compensation plan attached to it. And I, I started to get into this growth mindset, believing in the possible, believing that everything is possible, and continuing to learn how to take the lessons from my failures to turn them into my successes. Right. And it wasn't until I, I hopped onto LinkedIn where I quote unquote struck oil because I was having a really challenging time on Facebook and Instagram doing what I love to do, which is creating human connection. And that's basically what I teach. I teach people the art of human connection in a digital, uh, a saturated digital and online marketing world. And what I found was Facebook and Instagram, it was getting harder and harder to develop those relationships. And I jumped onto LinkedIn and, and it, it, it was easy. It was as simple as clicking connect, sending a message to the person that accepts, seeing if they'd be interested to hop on a discovery call and seeing where it went. And I'm like, man, that wasn't hard at all. <laughs> so I started sharing what I was doing with a friend of mine in the industry. And I said, listen, Joey, I want you to do A, B, and C. And I said, get back to me in a week and let me know what happens. And a week later, he reached out to me and he said, dude, whatever you're doing, it works. He goes, I have 14 calls booked this week. He goes, you should be teaching this. Yeah. And I said, teaching what? He said, teaching people how to use LinkedIn. He goes, there are, no one knows how to use it the right way. He said, you, he said, you got something here. And that was the birth of my LinkedIn coaching program. So you know, if it wasn't for network marketing, it wouldn't have led me to here. But there was one final hurdle that I had to overcome. And that was this last gym. The, the place where my gym was located, the building was falling apart. The landlords did not have any extra money to invest back into the location, which was hurting my membership. The gym was losing about two to $3,000, two to $3,000 a month. And all the money that I was making from personal training and my network marketing business and now my coaching practice was getting funneled back in to just keep the gym afloat. Yeah. And what everyone needs to realize is that gym was my father's dream, not mine, but I made it work. I, right. I took my father's dream and I found my own path into what I'm doing now. So I had to live by my father's dream in order to realize what mine was. So I reached out to my, my business attorney 
And I said, listen, I, I, I need to do something because I have no life. Uh, this gym is drowning me. And I, I, I need to take control of, of what I want to do with where I want to go. And he said, well, you have two options. He said, option A, you can continue going down this path and continue moving forward and funding this gym. Or B, you file for personal bankruptcy. And when I heard the word bankruptcy, I, I didn't hear your life is over. Yeah. I heard your life is about to begin because mm-hmm. this was my opportunity to get the monkey off my back. Yeah. To get rid of my father's dream and start living mine. So on July 1st of, of 2016, nearly four years ago, I filed for personal bankruptcy, closed the gym 30 days later, left that last day, left a note on the door thanking my members, my staff, the community there for their 12 years of service and dedication, locked the door, shut the lights off, and I never went back. So on August 1st of 2016 is when I truly stepped into the light of living my life on my own terms. And what I can tell you, my life has never been the same. You know, publishing now on my third book, having a successful coaching practice, workshops, keynotes, everything that I'm doing now is because I am finally doing what I want to do and carving my own path each and every single day. And everyone has the same opportunity that I did and I still do. You just got to lean into it. Oh man, such an incredible story. And, uh, you know, that aha moment, like you said, you know, the exact date. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Absolutely. Yeah. So with this in mind, I mean, what advice might you give to somebody that, you know, from, from network marketing and LinkedIn is like, I mean, that's an inbound lead generator, but if somebody's really struggling with trying to make the time or make it happen, what, what advice might you give to somebody? We always make time for what we feel is most important to us. Exactly. So you have two choices. You can live by your excuses mm-hmm. or you can live by your reasons. If you want something bad enough, you're going to work hard for it. And that's the thing. There's, there's two types of entrepreneurs right now. There's amateurs and there's professionals. And I think what you need to ask yourself if you're listening to this, which one am I? Because the amateur uses the word, I'm busy. Yeah. I got too much going on. I don't have any time. And I don't care how many jobs you have. I don't care how many kids you have. I don't care what's on your plate. Every single one of us has the same 24 hours in a day. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that have a ton of kids, that have a ton of jobs, and they still get the job done. Because two things. Number one, They've organized their schedule where they're not living in overwhelm and anxiety. And number two, they take action every single day. Now, that action looks different each day. It could be moving the needle forward a millimeter, or it could be moving that needle forward a mile. But as long as that that needle is moving forward in some way, shape, or form, and you are organized, and you are protective of your time. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to fail. Let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about 
laser focus. I know when we were looking to book and you're, you're on Eastern standard time and I'm over here in, on the West coast. So we're like three time zones different. And so you're like, I protect my mornings. And yeah, let's talk about that. Like how do you go about setting that up and creating that environment for laser focus like that? Well, I just, I found that, you know, my fiance and I, we get up at, at five thirty, six o'clock every morning and we, we have a, a strict morning routine. We get up, we get ready, we, you know, feed the dogs, take them out for their morning walk, and then we go to the gym. And we come back from the gym, we make coffee, we make breakfast, we sit down, we talk about what we want to get done for the day. And if I didn't, if I don't protect my mornings, the last thing that I want to do is to be on a phone call or a podcast at eight or nine o'clock in the morning. I, 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 I just don't. <laughs> exactly. So I, I declared to myself and this, you know, my fiance, Nancy helped me with this was not doing anything before 10 a.m. And that's our golden rule. We do nothing business wise before 10 a.m. So the first four hours of our day, is completely personally protected. It's it's our time to do what we need to do to get what we want to get done, to have the breakfast that we want, if we want to go out to eat, whatever it is. We know that, you know, when someone, and, and again, I had someone reach out to me that wanted to talk and they say, can you talk at this time? I said, no, I can't do anything before 10 a.m. Eastern. My morning is protected. And they're like, wow, that's really good. And then what I started realizing is that everyone keeps giving away the most valuable commodity that we all have, which is our time. Yeah. My, my time is very valuable, whether it's coming onto a podcast or a discovery call or a coaching session, whatever it is, my time is valuable. For sure. So if you really want to have a structured day, you want to be scheduled, you got to have hours of operation. Now, again, I don't have a nine to five. So obviously that needs to be adjusted depending upon who you are and what you do. But if you work from home, like myself and my fiance do, we have to create that schedule. So me personally, I don't do anything before 10 a.m. And I cut my day off at 8 o'clock at night. That's when my day is done. Um, obviously we have dinner in between, but if there is a training that I have to do or a late podcast, I need to record that way. We usually go to bed around 10 30, 11 o'clock, depending upon what we have wrapping up. But I always give myself four hours in the morning and two to three hours in the evening of my own time. So seven to eight hours of, of my day is my protected time. And It wasn't always like that, but I can tell you, and this is the interesting thing. Last year, uh, I significantly cut down on the amount of hours I worked each day and I made more money. Yeah. So what I realized was Mm -hmm. the more, the less that you work, the more money you can make because you have to be so hyper-focused with the amount of hours you've given yourself. You put yourself into auto production and that's what I love. Yeah, man. Because the reality is multitasking is a myth. You're not doing everything great. You're doing everything awful. So what happens is, and I know, especially me speaking and other entrepreneurs struggle with this. I heard it was 80% of struggle with having laser focus. Uh, It's like you, you don't go all in on one thing. You have multiple things going and I get it. You know, 
we tell ourselves when we in, in, and I agree with it, we need to have multiple income streams and things like that. But you know, what you do, you end up trying to spread yourself thin and stuff yourself full. It's, it's the truth. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah, man. (laughs) So that, that, that's some really good answers. Cause, cause like you said, you can, uh, you can really maximize your time. And as a result, you're going to end up doing more if it's, if that time that you're spending is, is focused. Well, it ends up being a lot of busy work for people. They, they think if they put a bunch of stuff on their schedule, it just gives the illusion that they're busy. Busy isn't always good. Productive is better. I, right. I, I despise the word busy. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, what I've learned in entrepreneurship, and I am always willing to jump on a phone call with someone. And I'll give you a prime example. I was DMing someone uh, on Instagram that has a podcast. It's business focused, as is mine. And, you know, I just sent them a nice message. I said, you know, hey, it's great to be connected to you. I see that you also have a podcast, you know, would love to hear more about it to see if we're a, we're a fit and we could potentially do a pod swap. And she said, hey, you know, sorry for just getting back to you. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your podcast here and I'll let you know if it's a good fit. There's no way in hell I'm doing that. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. I am, I am not going to text what my podcast is about. (laughs) I am not going to send you a 59 second voice note. (laughs) I replied to her. I said, I would love to. Do you have 15 minutes for a discovery call so we can share our stories to see if we're of a good fit for Tapotswap? Yeah. And she said, I'm traveling for the next week. I'll send you a link to my calendar later. I said, perfect. Now, will they or won't they? I don't care. It's no skin off my back, but that just shows you entrepreneurs go, they have two different trains of thought. I, I want to see how open someone is and, and how giving they are, because again, the most valuable commodity we have is our time. So I am always willing to give my time to those things that I feel are important. Yeah. And what's important to me is to pod swap, to collaborate, to have creative efforts with people. And if someone is too busy where they can't take 15 minutes out of their day to hop on a call to learn more about me, it's not going to be a good fit. Exactly. And uh, I can already attest to how well that this philosophy of yours works, (laughs) what you're a practitioner of rather, uh, because we already have a great connection and connection is currency. And so we're going to be able to turn that into something. I think, or I, I feel like it's going to happen rather sooner than later, uh, an opportunity through the pod swap, right? So that's the beauty of it all. And sometimes you, you, you just make a new friend and that's great. And then other times there might be a, a joint venture or something that comes out of it. You know, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's the science of getting rich. Great book. Uh, it's one of the Bibles that I continually read. And it states, instead of living in a, in a world of comparison and competition, mm. live in a world of creation and collaboration. Yeah. So I, that's all I choose to do. Now, I, I mean, obviously, I have a coaching practice to run. So, you know, people are still hiring me. And that's great because money needs to circulate. But on a, a higher level, 
I'm always looking to link arms with people. I'm always seeing, and that's why I love pod swapping because that's the easiest form of collaboration. Because what people have to know is that one of the most valuable commodities that your business and brand has is your know, like, and trust. So when you invite someone on, when you invite someone on your podcast, those listeners, so your listeners right now are automatically feeling more comfortable with me and who I am because Jake invited this guy on so that they obviously have some sort of connection. So I'm going to listen. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And vice versa. When my audience hears you, they're going to be like, okay, Scott and Jake obviously have this connection. That's why he's inviting me on here. So I'm going to start trusting this guy and I'm going to, I'm going to listen. I'm going to see what this guy's all about. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, man. You asked me a really good question as we were wrapping up your podcast yesterday. It was, how do you define success? So how do you, Scott, how do you define success? It, it changes all the time because that's, that's how life goes. And, and, you know, success means something different to each person. And that's why at the end of every one of my podcast interviews, I, I ask people, what, what does it mean to them? Mm-hmm. And what I can tell you this, not one person has said a nice car or a huge house. Yeah, dude. Not one of them. And these are all massively successful people. My definition of success is living my life by design. And that is how I wake up in the morning, how I go to bed at night, how I spend my time with my fiance and my family, truly carving out and being the architect of my life and my business and doing things that I want to do, not things that I have to do. Mm, That's good, man. Love it. So where can people find you, Scott? So on on social media, Facebook and and LinkedIn, you can just search Scott Aaron on Instagram. I'm at Scott Aaron LinkedIn. And also my website, scottaaron.net. I have some free resources on there, a free download, my podcast, my book. So I, I love connecting with people. So when anyone ever reaches out, I am always willing to, to give my time uh, for those that want it. Awesome, man. Don't threaten me with the good time. Appreciate you today, Scott. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you and the opportunity that you gave me to, to come onto the podcast today. Beautiful. All right, man. We'll be talking to you soon. Absolutely. Visit allthingstelesales.com for additional resources that can help you drive more revenue. Did you like today's episode? If so, subscribe so next week's episode will be available for you. And if you really like today's episode, leave a five-star review. It's a good way to get the word out there. And if not, check out another episode. Maybe then you'll be able to rate the show five stars. Anyone you'd like to hear from on the show, send an email to podcast at allthingstelesales.com. I'd love to hear from you. Don't threaten me with a good time. Oh,